to the print shop and my podcast, Dad's Hometown Memories. In this segment, I want to review and bring back some sport memories, which happened a number of years ago when softball and other sports were a big part of this community. Throughout the years, sports have played an important part in the lives of the people of Smithville and surrounding area. During the 1920s and 1930s, baseball and softball were the main competitive sports when Smithville played teams from other hamlets. The games in Smithville were played at the fairgrounds and there was always a good attendance of fans. In the 1920s, one of the first outdoor rinks along with the lawn bowling green and tennis courts for the general public to enjoy were located on the back lawn of William Camp residence on St. Catherine Street, which was next to the Presbyterian Church. A large barn at the rear of the property was used for the rink equipment and provided a place to get out of the cold in the winter. This was the start of the organized hockey and one of Smithville's first teams played their games in Grimsby as they were one of the first communities to have an arena. Members of that team that was formed in the 1920s were Jack Fisher, William G. Bill Henderson, Romaine Ross, Rad Vance, Gaston Kuehler, Earl Allen, Harry Gracie, Ori Ellis, and Jim Gracie. The men that helped manage and coach the team were Jack Shepard, T.M. Vance, M.B. Cosby, and A.T. Michelle. In 1934-35, a Smithfield team won the WAA Rural Trophy as they were the semifinalists in the ORHA. Members of the club were William Byford, J.D. Pryor, Glenn Shapley, Dudley Comfort, Hugh Merritt, Melvin Comfort, Ernie Snyder, Ford Dickinson, Ronald Lampman, Steve Millen, Ori Ellis, Russell Tufford, and Harley Block. Then in the 1950s, Smithville Intermediate Softball Club, which played in the Lincoln-Wentworth Floodlight League during the season and then entered the OASA Intermediate C playoffs and were successful in winning the championship. Members of that team were Murray Comfort, Jolly Howe, Clary Bond, Dorwin Book, Royal Tiley, Walter Tuck, Matthew Zaluki, Ross Johnson, Jack Pinnell, John Belcott, Nyram Smith, Doug Lane, Bill Shrum, Joe Belcott, Ivan Carruthers. Pat Patterson was the manager, Bill Faltars was a bat boy, and Dr. W.C. Limburger was a statistician. In 1962 and 63, Smithville had four softball teams win Ontario championships in the ORSA. This was some feat winning back-to-back years. The Peewee team in the 1963 era were Bob Tuck, John Ecker, Donnie Kazarchuk, Andy Comfort, Gary Serba, Rick Zulik, Brian Davis, Bill Simmons, Larry Daniels, Mike Zulik, Don Silverthorne, Brian Allen, Ken Richards, and Joe Belcott, the coach, and Steve Mate was the manager. The Bantam champs that year were Dave Ecker, Brian Roseborough, Gary Belint, Mike Ecker, Ken Robbins, Rick Kazarchuk, Blaine Willett, Dennis Tiley, Ronnie Howe, Peter Vall, Brian Roseborough, Robert Dalrymple, Ivan Remley, John Macklin, Royal Tiley was a coach, and Ivan Crothers was the manager. 
1963 juvenile champs were Jim Tuck, Don Good, David Howe, Jim Bloomer, Murray Lacey, Art Ecker, Murray Pannell, Ron Lane, Lloyd Tiley, Milton Bolent. Royal Tiley was a coach and Jack Pannell was a manager. The 1963 junior champs were Don Graham, Jim Tuck, Lloyd Tiley, Richard Bolent, Owen Joyner, Murray Pannell, Don Good, Jim Bloomer, Art Ecker, Ron Lane, Larry Skripnik, John Bartow, Murray Lacey, Milton Bolent, James Bloomer was coach, Wayne Tuck was bat boy, and Willard Lane the manager. To honor the Ford Championships in the two successive years, the South Grimsby Township Recreation Committee, and with the help of Mrs. Steve Maid and many women who were parents of the athletes, gathered together and held a banquet and presentation of trophies at then the Township Road Department building on the Town Line Road. It was a potluck dinner and the building was beautifully set up for the large crowd of players and parents who attended. A few excerpts from the October 30th, 1963 edition of the Smithville Review reads as follows. The Recreation Committee was grateful for the men who gave of their time and money to coach and manage the minor teams in the different leagues over the years. It is with this great leadership that the teams have gone on to victory. One must start with the junior team this year and the credit must go to coach Jim Bloomer who molded together a winning combination. Willard Lane was manager. The juniors entered the Hamilton District Junior Fastball League for the first time and were a credit to the league. They ended up with being third in the league standing and went on to defeat Bimbrook in the league semifinal playoff in two games and lost to Hamilton Bad Boys in the finals in three games. Richard Belint, star pitcher for the local juniors, was winner of the Sam Manson Trophy, voted the most valuable player in the league. The juvenile team, which was composed of a number of junior players, played only a few exhibition games before entering the playoffs. Behind some great pitching of Lloyd Tiley won the Duval Trophy in the ORSA. They defeated Oneida, Norwich, and Otterville for the crown. Jack Pennell and Royal Tiley coached and managed the team. The Bantam team under coach Royal Tiley and manager Ivan Crothers played in the Pelham League and placed second to Abington who won the league title and the playoffs. The Bantam team played only three games in the Ontario playoffs to win the Elmer Halls Trophy. The team had a bye in the first series and defeated Jarvis in the semifinal by a score of 16 to four, and then Jarvis conceded and Smithville went on to play East Woodlands and won the series. The Peewee team, coached and managed by Steve Maid and Joe Belcott, won the James Hartnett Trophy in the ORSA, Peewee A Series. The team was picked from the four-team local Peewee House League, which was run at the local park on Friday nights. In, the winning, in winning the championship, they eliminated three teams, namely Jarvis, East Woodlands, and Waterford. Over the years, there have been a number of champions in hockey and softball, as when, as well many ladies' teams were successful in the leagues they have played in. Smithville Minor Hockey has been very successful winning league championships and Ontario finalists.
Slow pitch has progressed very well in recent years and both ladies and men are playing in their later years and enjoying the sport. Soccer has been the big sport headliner in the last century and many girls and boys really enjoy the traveling and playing for soccer supremacy. Communities when building sports complexes have incorporated many soccer pitches with lights. Softball or fastball it is named now has been waning for many years now. It is played more in northern and northern communities. Hardball is making a comeback in some communities now and could be attractive for young boys. this podcast, I want to give a brief history of an organization that is called Women's Institutes. Women have given time and money to keep these organizations functioning, and I want to report on a few of the local chapters here. Over the years, when I was editor and publisher of the Smithville Review, these local chapters of the Women's Institute always submitted a report of their meetings to be published. During the World War II, these organizations spent time and money making items and putting together parcels to ship to the veterans overseas. First institute I want to mention is Caseville Women's Institute, first organized in February 20th, 1914, in the basement of the Caseville Methodist Church, now united by Mrs. Wallard of Toronto. According to the history that was recorded, the first executive elected were President Mrs. W.J. Grant, Vice President, Mrs. A.E. Sharp, Secretary-Treasurer, Mrs. Thomas Price. Miss Margaret Rose was the first paid-up member. The membership grew to 12 by the end of the first year. The new constitution and adding membership occupied the first year. With the start of the war in August of 1914, the women put all their efforts into making shirts, socks, bandages, etc., for the men who enlisted to go to the front lines. Community functions helped raise money for this cause and many more ladies from the community joined the Institute. After the war, there came a change in WI programs, more time for socials and new projects to work for, such as library, school fairs, donations of money and baby clothes to local hospitals, visiting the sick, and giving donations to the light board fund and the sidewalk fund for the village. Following a few declining years of membership in 1924-25 and with the new president, Mrs. Allen Green, elected in 1926, the organization was revived. In 1934, the department conducted classes and courses for the younger girls and a junior institute was formed. The same year, the whole WI took a five-day needlecraft course, thus the beginning of adult education in the Women's Institute. At this time, money was being raised for, by crokinole parties and making quilts for sale. In 1936, the WI paid one quarter of the cost of having hydro installed in the church. Then in 1939 came the Second World War and the women were mobilized to making supplies for the Red Cross, including jam, quilts, etc. 
that in 1950, the WI sponsored their first 4-H in this area, and Anne Green was the leader. The WI was always working to better the community, being involved with food booths and even street dances. They helped money-wise with a kitchen and drapery at the Caster Community Hall when it was built. The Tweedsmuir history book was started in 1952. In 1964, they celebrated their 59th anniversary with a tea party. During this year, also the WI opened the Caterville Public Library. In 1984, the WI celebrated their 70th anniversary along with the Ontario Bicentennial. The small community of Rosedean, situated at the corner of 15th Street, Moot Road and Crown Road in West Lincoln, near the Lincoln-Pelham boundary, formed their Women's Institute June 30, 1909. The first meeting was called at the home of Mrs. J.B. Zimmerman to discuss how to organize the W.I. Mrs. Sam Woodland of Smithville, District President, and Mrs. Fitzgerald of Fenwick, District Secretary, had the pleasure of forming the branch when eight ladies of the community expressed a desire to become members. At the end of the first year, the number of members were 16. Some of the early topics at meetings were in exchange of recipes, canning hints, and quilting, how to kill burdocks, and how to destroy ants. In February 1911, it was decided to purchase a vacuum cleaner for rental purposes. They rented it for 25 cents per day. Their first picnic was held August 1912 at the home of Mrs. Thomas Hodgkins, and there, there they held it, it was held in conjunction with Adderclyffe Station WI and the transportation to the site was by lumber wagon with mounds of hay for comfort. Here again, this WI was very involved with the First World War with supplies for the enlisted men, including raising money for the Red Cross, knitting socks, making pajamas, stretcher caps, and packing boxes to ship overseas. Postage on one box of supplies cost 72 cents for shipping to England. It is reported that one member knitted 40 pairs of socks and some 44 boxes of supplies were shipped overseas. In a side note, each returning soldier was given $5 by the WI. This WI was very supportive of many organizations as well as local community, namely Muskoka Free Hospital, a restroom in St. Catharines, a school fair, and the Salvation Army. Community-wise, they helped anyone who lost a home by fire and remembered shut-ins at Christmas. In 1926, Mr. Putman, superintendent of the Farmers Institute, paid his 25-cent membership fee and became a member of the branch. During World War II, the members all were also very busy with supplies for the men deployed overseas. In 1945, Rosedean WI supported the building of a new hospital in Grimsby and solicited for funds from the community. The 50th anniversary of Rosedean WI was June 11, 1959, and was held at the Beacon Motor Hotel in Jordan with 62 members and friends present. 
Later that summer, the WI met for a dedication of the gates for the Lane Cemetery, along with the help of the township, honoring the pioneers of the community. The 70th anniversary of this organization was held at the Silverdale Centennial Center in 1979, and the Vineland Branch were special guests. For many years, the Rosedene WI made donations in support of the VON, as well as ACWW and the FWIC projects. Two of these were a tractor for the women of Greece after the war and a donation to the Unitarian Service Committee. Mrs. R. Botterell was a charter member who lived to be 100 years plus. Here again, this WI also supported the 4-H clubs in their district. Next, the Wellport Women's Institute was formed in 1906 with Mrs. B. Wallace as the first president. However, they disbanded later and the records were destroyed in a fire. On January 31st, 1918, it was reformed at a meeting held at Meisner's Hall with 37 ladies in attendance. At the first meeting, Mrs. G.H. Leeds was elected president and Ms. Eula Ross, secretary treasurer. The projects of the Institute over the years were varied, including Red Cross work, Belgium relief, Armenian and Russian relief. In the 1930s, it was in the form of help with clothing, shoes and food and moral support to many in the community. During the Second World War, the Institute was involved supplying knitted socks, balaclava caps and other items for the soldiers. In 1947, the Institute sponsored a well baby clinic with the help of the Lincoln County Board of Health providing free immunization and child care for area children. They also supported the VON over the years with money, layettes, etc. In 1963, with the construction of the community hall, the Institute was involved providing funds and work to furnish the kitchen area, which later they catered to banquets and other events held there. Other noteworthy happenings associated with the Institute, namely a petition in 1963 to help bring a stoplight to the intersection of Regional Road 27 and Canberra Road. In 1973, they helped to establish the Wellport Library. They have also been a contributor to the Tweedsmuir history books. Also over the years, they have supported the 4-H clubs in their area. Next, the Grace Women's Institute was organized in 1950. Grace community is spread widely across the Caster Gainsborough town line and they held their meetings in members' homes. Many social events were held in the church hall. The first president was Jesse, Mrs. Norval Wilcox. Other members over the years were Grace Reese, Ina Travis, Lena Allen, Jean Leach, Margaret Cooper, Jean Lampman, Mabel Top, Electa Wilcox, Luella Dodd, Katie Travis, Inus Copeland, Mrs. Archie Griffin, Audrey Holloway, Frieda Merritt, Doris Allen, Mrs. G. Lampman, Marie Andrews, Janet Haining, Mrs. Arthur Alderman. Mrs. Alderman was the last president and Grace Institute was, was disbanded in 
Smithville Women's Institute was organized in 1904 with Miss Mary Hamilton, sister of Dr. Hamilton, as the first president. In 1905, Mrs. Sam Woodland was named president and worked all her life in this organization. Her daughter, Mrs. L.P. Killens, followed her. The motto for this institute was for home and country. It filled a need in the community and during the years 1913 to 1930, the members contributed money to worthy causes such as street lighting for the village, Red Cross, food and clothing for the North, donations to the School Fair Association, donations to the Union Cemetery, Smithville Agricultural Society, Public Library, the Open Air Rink, Volunteer Fire Brigade, etc., plus support to the public and high schools in Smithville. In the 1940s and 1950s, they sponsored child health clinics in the area. In 1957, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the founding of the first WI in Stony Creek, a pageant was presented and named Canada Calls, directed by Mrs. W.C. Limmerger, who also played the leading role. Several Smithville residents advanced to be Lincoln District Presidents, Mrs. John S. Davis, Mrs. J.M. Zumpstein, Mrs. R.N. McCollum, and Mrs. W.C. Limmerger who also served as District Governor of Legislation and Resolution. In 1959, Mrs. Limburner attended the Associated Country Women of the World in Edinburgh, Scotland. In 1967, under the leadership of Mrs. L.P. Killens, convener of the Centennial Committee, and Mrs. W.C. Limburner of the WI, an antique treasure show was held in the United Church Education Building. In 1960, there were 33 members in the Smithville WI, but in 1968, the numbers had diminished and the branch disbanded. In closing, I need to recognize that most of this history is gleaned from the Smithville Review newspaper and the Smithville Historical Society. Now it is time to close up shop, and I look forward to visit with you on my next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.